happy to be back on a microphone with you. It has been yeah. entirely too long. Sorry to our our millions of fans across the world <laughs> who have been waiting in anticipation, updating their iPhones every <laughs> 20 been, minutes, waiting 20 minutes. for the latest, latest episode coming? to be released. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we, we should mention uh, today we're coming in to you in 3D, right? Or you may sound better, right? Things. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm, I sound better. You you do sound and better. You, you sound you sound professional today. I sound professional, and we, yeah. we have a lot to say. Thank you to people who donated a little money to buy a nice thing for myself. Yeah. So uh, the so Stringers, should, so we Hayden, should say Hayden Lindley Stringer, thank you very much for your kind donation. Uh, thank you to the Rabbit Trails podcast. Um, it is a, a huge blessing to be able. Hopefully, the hopefully the uh, quality of our podcast only goes up from here. Can't say about the here. content, but at least at <laughs> least. <laughs> at the very least the sound quality yeah yeah the sound quality <laughs> is going to get only better from here <laughs> we do we do have some um some cool guests coming up that we i, I i'm not going to say uh, who they are because i don't yeah, want to th- i'm excited about landing this. them but um in the we're going to make a couple of let's say strategic changes with the podcast uh given the fact of uh, we're going to start doing seasons uh, so kind of trying to record in chunks there so that we can release those. We'll release them at a normal pace, but uh, yeah, it's that not, way, and that, and that there is you a, can't stream at all. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we'll have uh, Rest, arrested development season one, the podcast <laughs> yeah. and uh, which basically is my life. Uh, anyway, I, are you yeah. an arrested development fan? Are you not? Oh, it's great. Great show. Great show. Uh, it is a unique oh, yeah. sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you have to kind of watch it from the beginning, or else a lot, a lot of because a lot of jokes get played out over several episode seasons. Yeah, yeah. And so if you didn't know, if you hadn't seen the first season, you're, you're not going to understand some you of the jokes. No clue. It's very, very uh, layered comedy. It's, it's actually kind of like life, though, because it is like life. Because you know, my, my daughter is incredible. She has incredible comedic timing. Um, she's almost eight years old, but has always had it. And she will actually, so, so we'll, at the beginning of the day, right, a joke will come out. She'll have said it. We all think it's funny. And then she will end up working that joke back uh-huh. into the conversation in a completely different context, but which is perfect timing at dinner time. I mean, it's, it's really incredible. And oh, that really is, a, that's life. Yeah. She's hopefully she'll be a comedian. It's like a, a little Tina Fey. Um, <laughs> I could. <laughs> We can only Tina is brilliant. brilliant. She is actually uh, a comedian. She actually. Uh, so, so, so while we're on the, the before we get into the meat of things, while we're on the uh, the pop culture thing, I think we we'd be remiss to mention that this month, October, uh, is the release a historical kind of release date of two two very important albums. So, forty years ago in October, forty years ago, you two released their very first album, Boy. Uh, forty, 40 years, ago. years ago. Forty years ago, nineteen eighty. I was two uh, years old. Yeah, I was six. Yeah, six. I can do math. Wow. Uh, so 40 years ago, so their very first album, Boy, which has got some, you know, three or four songs that are still standards for them. And uh, then 20 years ago, so this is what really is scary. 20 years ago, they released in October all, uh, well, oh my gosh, I can't, there's a blanket on the, on the album all of a sudden. Um, all That You Can't Leave Behind? Oh, yeah, that was a great Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great, great album. album. That was kind of their their big relaunch album after they reset from the kind of the European uh, kind of disco influenced, electronic influenced stuff from Octane Babies, Europa Pop that kind of then yeah. kind of reclaimed kind of their optimistic kind of side. They, they'd been a little bit um, 
I want to say pessimistic, but they were they were playing around more with irony in those other yeah, albums definitely. and how they looked and playing playing around with the absurdity of being a rock star, right? Yeah. But before they were kind of playing around with the 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 optimism of being a rock star, and then they kind of came back to that optimistic um so that I, great it's a great album very that probably one of my favorite albums of all time all that you can't leave behind i the, i do like that album just that was a good album and it came out is it, it kind of came out right during 9-11 and kind of became uh kind of a i think a soundtrack to kind of the hope and optimism of like and healing maybe if i can be so bold just say that healing because they played the super bowl do you remember yeah they played the super bowl right. after 9-11 and they play they opened it up with a psalm they were they they, they, uh, they did a psalm he was reading a psalm and then they went to where the streets had no names and then they played they put the names of everyone who had who had died in 9-11 on a huge screen behind them uh, it's a very power if you get a I chance don't remember i remember that it was it was it's very if you go look just i think it was like 2000 i don't remember 2002 2001 super bowl it's right after 9-11 wow uh, and they played if you, if you look it up it's it's it's, it's fantastic because they they he starts, he comes out and he reads a psalm. I can't remember which psalm it is, but, and then they go into maybe a couple songs, but um, huh. it was powerful. I huh. think uh, kind of healing for a lot of people. So speaking of 9-11, that age, um, I randomly ran into, I don't know, I, I've been working on budgets this week, so uh, I will take YouTube breaks in order to yeah, yeah. not, I understand. not, uh, not spontaneously burst into tears uh curled up curled up holding my knees in the shower <laughs> um but uh uh so that i i ran across you know how youtube suggests things or whatever and it was um yeah. it was uh, jimmy kimmel interviewing george w bush and, oh, yeah, yeah. and uh bush has george w bush has such a a um self-effacing he's comfortable mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. people making fun of him uh relaxed nature about himself yeah. he's a west Texan. Uh, yeah but i mean he just is uh, really was in such contrast to the current u.s mm-hmm. president uh who can't take anything being bad so yeah about him. um so anyway so that that george w bush uh they were joking about the way that he mangled terms or whatever else. <laughs> and he said he once got into a fight with uh, Lauren Michaels about the fact that he was fairly convinced that he did say strategery and Lauren Michaels <laughs> didn't invent that. And then, I'm and then pretty he, sure he did. And then, and then he said, he said, that's my word. You should be paying me royalties. And, and uh, they kind of laughed and he said, yeah, I had my fair share of, you know, terrible terms. And he kind of, or mangling words. And he goes, yeah mission accomplished (laughs) he's like man he really he really embraced some of his biggest mistakes uh yeah yeah. that is a that's an admirable quality so it's a good it's a good politics aside yeah just a man who could who could just embrace his own mistakes uh yeah that really is admirable um it's hard to do so an interesting thing happens when when presidents you Watch this transition. This is this is beautiful. I'm kind of excited <laughs> uh-huh. about this. Interesting thing happens when presidents uh, become president uh, is uh-huh. they go incredibly gray. So yesterday, uh, yeah. uh, President um, Obama gave a speech for pres- or, uh, Joe Biden, and uh, his hair is gray, gray, gray now. Yeah. And same thing happened to George W. Bush. Thing. Yeah. Same thing Yage. happened to Bill Clinton. Um, same thing is not happened to uh donald trump due to he's got good added, hair people due, due to the fairy dust <laughs> sprinkled on his hair um but anyway all that to say um it is amazing that more presidents don't completely burn out and they probably do yeah. um 
you and I have talked a lot about burnout in general. Well, LBJ, remember LBJ did that. He, he, he didn't run for his. Yeah. He was like, I'm done. He's just, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Who he was, he he was a, he was an incredible politician. And so to, so to just run out of steam is just really amazing. Granted he was guiding things through the Vietnam war, which was, yeah, it was was a tough time. It's a tough time. Very talk about unprecedented, very hard, unprecedented time in American (laughs) history. But, uh, you know, he just moved down to his ranch and grew his hair out and, uh, hung out with hippies and drank Fresca. That's what he, that's what he did. Did he really? Yeah. yeah. He just kind of, he kind of chilled out. That's fascinating. He grew his hair out. Yeah, yeah. Is it like hair. long, long? He got plenty, I think, kind of down you know, for him long. Wow. Know. I've got to go. Okay, now I've got to type. you got to look up about a post. post. And, I could be wrong on some of that, but you should look a little up about his. I know. I know post. very little about LBJ, so so I'm, I'd am i be interested to learn more. Well, okay, but, but that's the thing. So we experience, um, and not just missionaries, uh, so mm-hmm. expatriate missionaries, people who are mm-hmm. foreign missionaries moving to Europe but also ministers in Europe in general have an incredible rate of burnout and low, what, what now is getting called low resiliency. Resiliency is all the, all the rage and so for, the for a good reason, right? So yeah. resiliency is the ability to withstand difficult times over a long to, period yeah, of time. To resil. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you want to get technical about it. If you want to get uh, technical about it, Brazil. Um, so anyway, so, so let's talk about burnout today. Uh, we yeah. can pontificate, uh, prognosticate as to the reasons for burnout. Would you say that you've ever gone through burnout? I've probably gotten close yeah. a few times, uh, or been in situations where probably I think I think when I one time I knew I was maybe not in a good place where certain things that I wasn't doing certain things I enjoyed, and that's mm. actually. There's a Dutch uh, sociologist, kind of business guy, who talks about that as one of the signs of burnout. Is when you, uh, you know, kind of clinical sign of burnout is you, you you're not enjoying certain things that you usually, or you're not doing the things you should do. And I remember, I remember it was actually it was where it hit me was I was we were back in the states for like a six month tax thing we had to do, and we we're raising support, and I uh, had some friends who they're friends with a a Texas singer songwriter who was putting out an album and he was doing these things where he could like pay to have uh, him, you know, like it was like a crowdfunding thing to raise money for the production. He would do like these backyard concerts, but because he was good friends and had written some songs with some a friend of mine, he, he basically said, I'll just go do it for free for you guys. And so I got invited and I really, he's a guy I really, his music I liked. And, but just sitting in someone's backyard, listening to music and kind of having that, interaction with a you know a crowd and a, and a singer uh i just realized oh man I'm, this is something I've, i love that gives me life and enjoy and at that moment i was like oh man i've, I've gotten really into a spot where i'm not well mm. because i'm i'm so caught up in doing stuff stress uh the, the the overload of of all the you know fear of failure or whatever that i wasn't i wasn't enjoying life anymore mm. in, in some sense so i had to get back to i had to realize oh man i, I gotta you gotta do these things you gotta you know God doesn't want us to not enjoy life. You know? so, so, so that's interesting because, yeah, I think, I think there's a, uh, you're, you're fortunate in that you were able to see that before, before it got uh, too, too much. Too bad, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but here's, here's a question though. 
Okay, you're in Spain. Uh, everyone knows that um, all you guys do is take siestas, drink wine, and tapas. <laughs> Um, how was it possible that you could even begin to be burned out? I mean, ministry yeah. must be so easy, right? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> this is ministries, you know, it's life, life's easy. Yeah. It's life's greatest mystery is the fact that, yeah. that people, people, even in Spain, people get burned out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a great, and I and I would, and I think I think what we, you and I want to kind of hone in on is because aside from the the cross cultural stress, aside from the stresses on your family, you know, just regular being a ministry, which would be for a lot of people, even in the states. Uh, I think what we're kind of seeing in, in Europe is there's a there's a whole other level of challenge, which is this: is life is good mm-hmm. here, but ministry is incredibly difficult. It's yeah. it's and uh, it's it's a lot of hard work. And I think particularly as people and organizations that believe and want to see success, I'm, I'm using air quotes for success, we, that, that, that wears on you too, but it's an underlying kind of stress maybe or fear uh, that, that goes in. Well, and so that, that yeah. Um, so I, I would say that there, there's a couple of levels or maybe three or four. I, burnout is not just one cause. So there's a, yeah. a uh, so, sociologist, that that I have read, and he often talks about the fact to be wary of the monocausal explanation. Uh, and so I think yeah. burnout, we have to be careful of the monocausal explanation. That okay, let's want this one thing. So you know, it, it's easy to go like in your case, um, you noticed a symptom of it was that you, maybe you weren't enjoying or taking the time to enjoy the things that you used to enjoy. But it would be wrong to say if you're not taking time to enjoy, just do that, and that's yeah. monocausal. That, yeah. That's a monocausal treatment. But it, you're also trying to pinpoint. So I, I, I'm, I, I don't think that there is just one cause to everyone's burnout. I think that it's multifaceted, multi-layered, just like we as human beings are. Um, but certainly there, let's say, different streams that add up to a river that then causes the overflow, or you know, the rapids, or I don't know. My analogy has just tanked. Um, that that where we begin to to really burn out, and mm-hmm. I certainly think that it is very easy to believe a story that the gospel, if it's true, which it is, but then from there to go, if it's always true, it will, it will be ever expanding, moving towards greater heights, greater numbers. Mm-hmm. And, and there's this kind of, that's the goal to see that trajectory. And so then, if you find yourself in the meantime, somewhere in between there, uh, there becomes a dissonance. And so what do I do with that? Or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, to carry into that some idea of what success is going to look like. Mm -hmm. So it, it's very easy to go, you know, we had a group of 10 people. Wow. That was really great. Uh, But 20 people would be really great or, 30 people or 40 or a hundred or 500 or, you know, whatever the next, the the country. Yeah. 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 And so, so you have as your goal. And so then it's a never attainable sort of thing. So that's one area that I think. Yeah. I I think that's very true. Um, And we tend to specifically in our organization, don't we, we tend to attract people that want to, who, who dream and idealize much bigger than, um, much, much who dream in big ways, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you want to have, you want to have big dreams, right? You want to trust God for big things. 
and I, so I don't, I, I don't want to get away from that. I want to, but I think we need to name uh, the reality that we're facing. And I, I'll be honest, and I'll, I'll be a little critical of my own organization, which I love, but I, I don't feel we've talked. I don't, I don't feel no. in Europe we've had that conversation and said, hey, we're dealing with something here that is m- much more complex. And so it's all right. Um, and so I think we need, to, we need to be able to say those things. We need to be able to tell people, hey, your work is doing something and your work is important. And maybe you're not seeing what you thought you would see or maybe what maybe even some sense you were sold by people like me saying, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to do all this great stuff. Um, and, but we need to, you know, so you've got, I think it's, it's hard cause you, you want to strike a balance between hope, uh, cause the gospel is hope. You want to, you want to strike a balance between good news cause the gospel is good news, but you also want to be realistic about the context we're in and how that affects, uh, you know, you don't, you, I mean, this is maybe not a good example, but you wouldn't send people to North Korea and go, Hey, you're going to go do ministry for two years in North Korea. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Um, you're going to see. You know, you, 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 you're going to see thousands of people. He's like, no, you're, you, you might die. It's a good chance you're going to be in prison. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you, that's what you would tell them. You would right. say you would prepare them for that. And I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure we've always done that. I, I, I'm not trying to say that's anyone's fault because I think we're all trying to figure out what Europe is and what's going on. And there's very few people talking about it because there's very few Christians here. And there's well, very few people seeing those things happen. Yeah. And, Gosh, there's so many directions we could go here. So, so on the one hand, so right now we're talking about just the the fact that Europe is a difficult place. Okay, mm-hmm. and let's underscore the fact that when we say Europe, we mean an incredible number of of cultures yeah. and practices yeah. that are even regionally different among yeah. even one different one one country. Uh, you know, yeah. Spain or or even or even Sweden. While Sweden is one country, there are different different cultural differences between the North and the South and different things like that. So very difficult to say Europe is thus. um, But uh, that being said, we'll go ahead and say it. It, It's a difficult place. Um, It's cantankerous. It's um, old world in that it is, has been established and has been working upon certain norms and standards for 700 years, uh, Mm -hmm. building culture in a direction. And then to challenge that culture and direction is, is to, is to challenge 700 years of, of societal drift or mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. So it's a very difficult thing to do, right? So just the proposition there. And then, you know, go back and see former episodes for us to hear us talk about the fact that maybe Europe has never actually really been majority Christian. Yeah. It's yeah. been Christianized in the sense of that society's institutions and norms reflected a Christian worldview, yeah. but in and of itself maybe hasn't always been Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then, the, and then the United States is actually proof of that because yeah. the most dedicated Christians actually left. <laughs> like yeah. they moved to the U.S. because they were like, "It's too yeah. hard there." It's true. This is true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is this is a fascinating point that you just made. That, yeah, I mean, fascinating. Yeah. So, so the, there's on the one hand, we've got just incredibly difficult, difficult soil. Um, on the other hand, we've got the, uh, let's say, I do think that a lot of views of of ministry have been greatly influenced by America in the last, mm-hmm. let's say, post-war era, but maybe going back mm-hmm. to the 1900s. I think that's which fair. Is, which is incredibly positive and reflects general business principles rather than necessarily 
biblical principles all the time. So I'm not saying that everything's unbiblical. I'm just saying no. maybe, maybe it's not as pure as we think, as we'd like to think it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a cultural expression of American Christianity, which isn't bad because any expression of Christianity ha- has some kind of cultural baggage it carries with it. Right. And, and usually that, that baggage is both positive and negative. And so in America, it's been stuff like church growth. It's been, it, it, it's, and it's worked in America. It's worked in certain parts of the world. But it has its downside too. It has, you know, it's, it's, it becomes very practical, very uh, business-like, as you mentioned, um, and, and, and that and that that costs. But you know, so I, I don't want to dog it, but I think it just we need to name it, and be, be yeah, they're, aware they're, of it. There's pitfalls to it. We need we need to be yeah. aware of it. So so one example would be, um, we Paul writes in one of his letters. I'm blanking on it. I think it was. Yeah, it was Thessalonians. The whole world has, has, you know, your, your faith has gone out into the whole world and the whole world has heard of it. Okay. Now, at this point in the game, Paul's writing to a group of people that's maybe 30 in Thessalonica, yeah. which is a couple yeah. hundred thousand people, maybe large city. Like, it's not, it's not like the majority of society has just embraced this Jesus guy. No, it's, no, no. These are, these are a couple of wackos meeting in an upper room somewhere, 30 or 40 people, who yep. their faith has gone out into the whole world. And by the whole world, Paul means a few select cities in the Roman world. Yep. So, Paul, even Paul's attitude seems to be, we're operating from the margins, yep. but we've gone out into the whole world. So, here, here's something that this talk about dissonance that we've got to deal with as, as missionaries, which I think this adds into the burnout equation for me. Um, on the one hand, we say we're going to go share the gospel with the whole world. So we take very seriously the Great mm-hmm. Commission, go Definitely. out into all the world, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Yeah. Okay, and lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. You've got that bit, but then you've got the bit that says in, in the early church where Paul just is okay with I mean, he says, I preached the gospel. Yeah. I've, I've succeeded, right? As he's departing to Timothy, he goes, I've run the race. I've fought the good fight. We got 30 people in a very large city who named the name yeah. of Christ. We've succeeded. Yeah. By yeah. no measures of American growth, church growth theory, did Paul succeed. But he yeah. saw himself as succeeding. So yeah. there's a dissonance there. Um, and yeah. I think that, that we've got we've to wrestle with that a little bit. Well, and, and if... if you know, I, I was when I was uh, uh, when we were starting to talk about this this conversation. The, the few things popped in my head as far as stuff that had come across my Twitter feed recently, and what one was a quote uh, from Mother Teresa, and, and she's she still says, tweeting. That's amazing. Well, you know, it was someone someone <laughs> just kidding. Nikki Gumble, Nikki Gumble tweeted it. But it's a quote: uh, "I am not called to be successful, but to be faithful." You know, I think we've talked about being faithful. Uh, and then, and then below that, I'd also kind of, I don't know who this guy is, but he seems like he's written a book. No, no. He's, he was talking about someone's book. Uh, but he says this guy, I won't mention him just because you know, you never know. Uh, cause he's but, not a uh, sponsor of the podcast and we don't want to No, And I just don't, you know, uh, I don't know who he is. I, so, but I, his quote is somehow it came across. It said, you know, pastors, we are immersed in a consumeristic Christian culture where we have largely traded the biblical vision of pastoral ministry for executive leadership and organizational strategies. It's no surprise that many of us are confused and exhausted. Yep. Um, you know, and I, I think we feel that way sometimes too. It's like, you know, where, where, where is the, the life givingness of this when we're success becomes maybe the, you know, the God of 
what we have to do as a ministry. Yeah. And once again, I, I want to be careful. I don't, I don't think that any, there's nothing nefarious about that, but it's the context uh, we're in. The context is American Christianity has very much adopted those things to great, great benefit, but maybe it's time to think beyond those, uh, those, those methods. And I, and, I, and I do think there's some people who are able to do become great executive leaders and great pastors at the same time. Uh, but maybe that's not what we're supposed to be doing in, in Western Europe or, you know, as we move forward into, into what I would tend to call a liquid modern, you know, world where, um, you know, maybe more of a pilgrim world uh, that we're living in as opposed mm-hmm. to a, uh, a world where, you know, processes and um, neatly packaged uh, ideas and processes and strategies work well. Uh, yeah. So, but, but, but I could be wrong. Well, so one of the best books I've read in, so I, I did my master's thesis for seminary this past mm-hmm. year on, on a little bit of burnout. Um, it was kind of implementing a plan in our own organization, which um, I'm going to be trying to implement some of it. Um, so I didn't get to do the deep dive that I, I wanted to do. Um, and I'm going to start doing that. But one of the best books that I have read in the past year, I'm holding it up here, uh, is called The Burnout Society by mm-hmm. a yeah, Korean German philosopher. There you uh, go. It's, it's, it's a whopping, get this, 90 pages. Um, more there's books should be 90 pages. Yeah. There's a, there's a beauty in that. Uh, and there's that, that's form follows function. function. There. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you're saying you don't need a, if you, you, you got to read a 500, 500 page book to get yep. through burnout. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I literally have most of the thing underlined. It's so dense. It's one of the densest books I've read. And part of it is just that he's writing as a philosopher and I am not a philosopher as much as I'd like to pretend that I play one on TV. Um, but he talks a lot about, so he goes into, okay, why is, he calls it the burnout society. So we're not just in a stage where most people are experiencing burnout, but rather that society itself is set up to burn people out. Mm, um, and one of the things, and he would say that this is a function or present in a lot of Western societies. Now he would then begin to bring in a lot of Asian societies today. So even mm-hmm. though they're Eastern, but they're being set up for this. And he, he talks a lot about a, a society of activeness and a society of achievement. Mm-hmm. So he says, uh, a sci- achievement society is slowly developing into a doping society. Uh, in the meanwhile, negative expression brain doping has been replaced by neuro enhancement. So mm-hmm. there's, he, he talks a lot about this idea that, we we're trying we're trying we've set ourselves up that what we're saying is rather than being a well-functioning person so that used to be the classical goal Mm -hmm. we are teaching people achievement is the ultimate goal Mm, so i was i was texting with um one of our a friend of mine last night talking about this because i was reflecting on my day i sat in front of a computer working on budgets not my favorite thing to do in life uh, i had this sense of what what is the meaning of i mean i literally i was like what's the meaning with life i mean it it'll get me to asking those great questions but i got to the end of the day and i was thinking through and i just realized you know in order to achieve anything in this life it takes a whole host of people going very slowly to make mm-hmm. anything happen. Mm-hmm. But yet we believe a lie that, um, so if you take a standard distribution of people 
So this is getting somewhat technical, well beyond my pay grade, but it sounds like math. I paid for this, Mike. <laughs> um, <laughs> or the, <laughs> the stringers paid for this, Mike. Uh, anyway, um, that if you take a standard distribution of people, okay, and what they're able to achieve, okay, so the vast majority, 99% of people are going to be centered, massed into each other. Then you're going to have a few people, maybe 1% of the population that is well outside of that. So maybe one standard deviation beyond that, whatever else. And I'm using technical terms. I really don't know what they mean, but it sounds professional. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, sounds point, the point being, these are really smart people who accomplish or really productive people, I'm not going to say necessarily smart, but productive people who accomplish way more than the average person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But here's the lie I think we believe. And I, this isn't science, but it's my assumption. Those people who are crazy productive, they're not producing 400% more than the average person. There's, there's no way, right? We, we're, we are all humans limited by 24 hours in a day. You have to sleep at some sleep. point. Um, the human body begins to break down and there's not a lot of deviation from that norm. So, so even your most productive people maybe can do one and a half times the amount of a quote unquote yeah. normal person. And even they need armies of people doing things in order to get things done. And at the end of the day, most things that are worth doing take a lot of time and energy. So yeah, it's just a humble. But even, even, Yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I, I didn't I'm, interrupt uh, you, but I was going to say, even vampires sleep. <laughs> That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah, yeah. For, <laughs> so, for long you know, periods of time. I would say, well, maybe they're vampires. Well, no. They're, they're <laughs> even they got to sleep. Even they the gotta go in. Even the undead, undead take a nap every now and then. Take a nap. Yeah, they have to be inside <laughs> sleeping during the day. But, so. but, but I think that's so, – so part of it is I think specific to missions, Christians um, – one, the cause that we're involved with is incredibly important. So the more yeah. important your cause, the the easier it is to justify not taking care of yourself, yeah. to keep going. Oh, it'll be okay when, and we tell ourselves these stories, okay? And rightfully so. Look, um, the proposition that there are people out there who have, have not heard the gospel or people are suffering and, and need to process through things, all that, all those things are good. Yeah. But it doesn't matter if you burn yourself out. You're not going to be 400. You're not going to be 400% of the person you could be. No, this is you're, right. At best, you're going to be 120%. And let's be honest, what you ends up happening is you become 20% of the person you should be, right? So you lose 80%. So, so there, there's, a, there's a certain sense there that we're just not going to achieve what we think we're going to achieve. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think you're right. And I, I think too that that's, that's a pitfall as well, because it, it's exposing in us, ourselves, our, our teams, our organizations, what is our primary motive? Is it, it I, I, you know, it, it should deeply, deeply be for the care of people, for the love of others. Uh, but I think there's something behind that, because that we were able to catch up and create it. Well, this is about, you know, numbers, success. We want to feel justified in decisions that we've made that's a very human thing. I would, I would push us further to that, that where we're maybe missing the thing is this isn't about us. This isn't about success or numbers. This is about meeting God where he is on the mission field yeah. because we're not really in theory, we're not changing people's hearts. The Holy spirit is. So here's another quote, Leslie Newbegin tweeting. He's been, he's been tweeting a lot, Leslie Newbegin, sorry. 
these are this obviously kind of a bot that sends out this, Leslie Newbigin. This this is this is if merely, you don't know who this is merely Leslie proof. Is. This is merely been, proof for the Catholic the Catholic view of of yeah, uh, purgatory that yeah. they have they're in the in between state still with their phones tweeting things tweeting out they're praying praying for us. <laughs> Uh, he says the deepest motive for mission is simply the desire to be with Jesus where he is on the frontier between the reign of God and the usurped dominion of the devil. Mm. Is that how you say it? Usurped? Usurped. Yeah. Well, we're both from Texas, so don't, don't bank on usurped. Um, so, I mean, that right there for me is something to remember. It's like, this isn't about me. This isn't about even crew or agape. This is about meeting Jesus where he's working and where he's he's calling people to himself, and he he he'll do that as he wants. He yeah. gathers where he gathers. He's you know what's the verse? You know he scatters where he wants to, and 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 that's a, that's a much more complex thing. But if if we're there with him, then we 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 are successful. Yeah. Um, damn the numbers. Damn. Yeah. The, you know all all the other stuff. That's I don't necessarily. So, I, but I do think there's a balance there because you obviously want we don't want to become. Hey, I'm just hanging out. Uh, but if we really love Jesus, if we're really uh, connected to him on that frontier, then we're going to be implicated and in, in, in people's lives and loving them and doing the right stuff. So, um, but I, but I, I, I think that's a, another thing to think about, but it's a hard, that's a really hard thing to think about. That's not how our structures are set up to, to do that. Well, it's an upside down kingdom. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, it says, it goes back. Sky Jatani wrote the book with, you know, are you working? Are you living for God? Are you living to, uh, what is it? Under God? Are you living? What is it with or with God? Basically his point is we, we, we're meant to have fellowship with him. And, yeah. and then out of that come all these really good things. Um, so nothing wrong with the mission, nothing wrong yeah. with making sure yeah. that, that we expand and that, and that as many people as possible hear, the mission itself or the, the, the gospel itself. Um, but we need to be careful of, of in the process, um, making the pursuit of one being careful not to wrap our own ambitions in with that mission. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, co-opting God's mission, our mission for within God's mission. Uh, the, the second thing I think would be, and this would be my journey over the last, um, I don't know, four or five years. Uh, but I would say bringing my own personal junk. So coming to the end of myself and God graciously allows us to, to come to that journey. Here's what I think often happens in Europe. Um, some of the burnout that I think experience, people experience maybe happens on a grander scale here than maybe in other countries. Um, because you don't have the exciting nature of the success of ministry to carry on. So it breaks down quicker, right? So a a lot of pastors who have these massive ministries or whatever else, they'll burn out or, or hit the wall um, or fall into, you know, some some kind of sin or, or whatever else, but the success quote unquote success. So the numbers of the ministry, the growth of the ministry just kind of kept them going. And so it, those fissures didn't show as soon. So some of the personal things didn't come on or they felt like they couldn't, they couldn't, but I think sometimes because of the lack of quote unquote success or visible success and the need for reminding ourselves of faithfulness within Europe, I think some of those things tend to come up earlier rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and so I think we need a, we need a robust inner life in order to deal with that burnout. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we need a robust theology of missions and a robust mm. theology of our, our context and to, to move a little, to, to be able to say Europe, Western Europe is an incredibly difficult place right now. Yeah. Uh, and I, and there are people saying that, you know, Stefan Poss is saying that there's, there's other missiologists saying this is, this is a hard play. And it's like, I was, once again, you send people to slum in India, you, you prepare them for that. And we're right. not, I don't know if we've really thought through, uh, you know, helping the missionary workforce and even the mission missionary workforce that's national to have that, that ability to say, Hey, this is hard. It's okay. It's okay that, um, I saw one person trust Christ this year, or I saw mm. one person trust Christ in five years. Um, I, we, I think we, we need to have that, that ability to say that this is hard, how we need to measure our, our growth and our success. Well, but we need to re- measure, measure it realistically. We need to, we need to give people hope that, that what they're doing is important, that it's worthwhile, that, it, that it is, uh, it is bringing down the, the, the gates of hell. In, 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 in one way or another, that God is behind us and he's with us and he's present, um, but that he's teaching us maybe something else or, or moving us in a different way. And that's, that's you know, that's to me. So I, I, I just feel like we need to have that conversation. And I think in America that could become more and more of a conversation that needs to happen as, as maybe it becomes more of a, more like Western Europe. I don't, I don't know if that'll happen. I, I, I have my doubts that America really will become like Western Europe because of just because of there's lots of reasons why that may not yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I so I, th- I think that's it. We need to be able to have those conversations freely, talk them through and, and be able to have people come in and say, Hey, it's all right. It's all right. We didn't conquer you know, whatever country in, in 10 years or one year or two years, you know, it's, it's, it's all right. right. We, we, you know, um, cause I feel like that's, I, th- I just see a lot of people that come over and that they feel like, Oh, we're making a little bit of movement and then boom, it's, you know, and, and so it's, it, that stuff is, it can be it's just, it's, it's, I, I just it's sometimes it can be hard to get out of bed in the morning, knowing what you have to face that day uh, that you're not going to go have a meeting or at, at a church with 500 people. And 20 of them are super excited to, what, about your thing, uh, you know, and, and people are getting baptized next week. It's that's, that's not happening, you know, like, yeah, people are getting things are things are happening that are well good here, but we need to get it out of the realm of this is our fault or this is our lackingness. It's, it's not, we're, we're doing the right things. We just, we need to remain faithful and, and remain with him. And I, I, I just feel like that's a conversation that just needs to get more and more out into the world of people working in Western Europe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would agree with that. I, I think as I've observed burnout in, in, various ways among various people over the years um that just accepting of the hardness of things the accepting of limitations so i am but one person i can only do so much in the course of a day um and i gotta come to grips with that those are those are huge steps in in combating it um as I started to mention earlier, I, I think, you know, one of the things that you, if you look at some of the missiological literature of why people leave the field, a lot of times they'll mention team. And so they'll say, you know, pick your team wisely or whatever else. Um, and I'd agree with that. I mean, one of the reasons uh, people get divorced is because they're married. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
So I'm not saying marriage is wrong. What I'm saying is, is that you're going to have a higher rate of divorce among people that are married than not yep. married. Yep. Uh, the, 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 the purpose being was, and it, or my point is that anytime you get a group of people together, they become a system, right? So we're going into family system theory here, which would say that then they're junk and they have an, a way of interacting that starts to come out. And once your junk starts coming out on each other, it produces the term I'll use for lack of a better way of saying it is anxiety or, or stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and those stressors over time, given all the stressors that are in other places, especially when you're in a, let's say a marginal context. Um, so, or when you are, when you are in a context where you find yourselves on the margin, yeah. I, I think then if we're not, if we're not dealing with, and this is where currently, and part of it could be my own personal journey, but my, one of my biggest concerns for, um, I'll, I'll admit my, my staff in, in Sweden is trying to, and, and our staff in Europe is trying to help people navigate that journey, that inward journey of beginning to recognize, oh, like when this thing comes up in staff meeting or in ministry or whatever else, this is the anxiety that I feel. Yeah. yeah. Um, you begin to, you, you, we all feel anxiety and then we begin to deal, we have coping mechanisms to deal with that anxiety. And over time, those coping mechanisms break down or they're insufficient for the cause or for the, for the problem. And so we have to, we have to begin dealing with that. Um, at the end of the day, um, I think it comes down toward to a pastoral function that we yeah. need some kind of pastor to help us walk through those things. Yeah. So internally, I think we have to have within Europe a good pastoral help and support group and community of people yeah. who, who to, to, to kind of begin walking through these things. And I think every person should have a counselor that they're talking to, but that's just yeah. my personal opinion. Well, I mean, we can, speaking of, you know, of a little bit of a experience, I think, for you and, and then two other guys, just Shalim and Mike Schatzman, who we kind of have become, you know, a group that we, we talk to each other and share things and vent and you, you need, you need people who in your life who give you, give you life and give you, help you think through things. And I think that's been one of the things that's helped me a lot uh, is having that, that, that outward community that's got some distance, but mm -hmm. also you can just have those, those conversations and, and, and people to talk to you. I think, think that helps helps and talk through because I think there's often sometimes in, in, in ministry also a little bit of comparison problem. You know, we, you tend to hear and, and in our organization, certain things get highlighted, right? So you go, you look at that and you go, Oh wow, they got that. Oh, that, um, that's awesome. But I, I don't have that. Right. I don't, I'm not doing that. We're not, we haven't seen that happen. And, and if you don't have the matrix to go, well, there's a, there's some reasons why my country is very different to see that the, those contexts are, 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 are very different. Right. And so that's not going to necessarily play out the same way. So I, I need to look at what's going on right in my country. And then you need to be careful that I'm not, well, we're doing this and this is happening here and that great, you know, cause I think sometimes when, when those things aren't always happening all the time for everybody, it can be real, it can be really uh, kind of discouraging, you know, to say, Oh, well that's going on there. Great. Well, I guess we're, you know, but we're all in different areas of ministry and then different contexts. And so I, I think we need that as well to have those conversations. And, 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 and to really know, because so, sometimes we play up stuff that didn't really happen the way it, it happened. You know, it's, <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I'm not, you know, but we tend to, we tend to get the news blur. Boom, this happened. And then you don't hear what happened, you know, two years later. Uh, but, you know, and, and so you, you don't want to, and I also think we have to guard our heart there too. We don't want to be jealous or, 
you know, resentful of other people's successes and, and abilities. Uh, but I think that comparison game can be really dangerous. As oh, well. the comparison particularly, particularly in Western Europe, because you just feel like, oh, man. The other thing I think, too, is that maybe an underlying stress here is for a lot of, we're in a lot of countries where we, as what we do, doesn't make sense to most people. Yeah. So even as an identity, we don't have, I don't, I, you know, it's hard for me to explain to most of my peers at the school or my kids go what I do. Yeah. And, and sometimes, so it's a longer conversation because it's not like I'm an architect. It's, Are you able uh, to get through that conversation with people? Like, well, sometimes they for a lot of, for, for Spain, it's still a very odd thing that, what you're doing so it depends on the person depends on the yeah. context we but i remember we don't, very we're not clear. able to get through the conversation yeah it's it's hard they walk away oh, <laughs> like, yeah. well, i mean if you're at a party or something like oh, yeah, yeah. go get some coffee now not, you're like oh, it's not okay. that people are here are more generally a little bit more yeah. like interested and open about but they, they still don't i don't think they get it you know yeah but i remember it very clearly uh, it was it was one of those aha moments in my life when I'd been really struggling with that. Like, who am I? What am I in this society? Who, where do I fit? You know, I don't, I can't. No one knows what I do, and they don't. I can't explain it to anybody. Yeah. And then going to a wedding of all places in Orlando, in Orlando, sorry, Portland, Oregon, right? So, go to Portland, and we'd been overseas for a little bit, and we were going to this wedding, and we were home for summer, and great, great, good friends, but not, you know, not not necessarily, you know, Christians in in the evangelical kind of world. And uh, just being like kind of nervous to meet people yeah. and tell them what I did. But everyone I talked to was like, oh, cool crew. Yeah, I've got a cousin who works for them. Or yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> like, you know, everyone, even at a wedding where most of the people, you know, were not. But it, it was just just generally accepted in that system. I didn't realize that may have changed. That was a while ago. Uh, but there was there was enough people there. And including we were seated at the table with all the Christians. They put all the Christians at one table. <laughs> That's you know? hilarious. And there was, a, there was a woman there from Orlando who like knew people who worked in the head office. I mean, it just, so you just, it was like a totally, it was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, because you felt yeah. like, okay, I, I can say uh, I'm not offensive or scared uh, about who I am. But, but then you come back over here and it's like, well, I, you know, I, and that, I think that's a stress too. All these things add on to that, that, that difficulty yeah it's part of part of finding yourselves on the margins of society yeah. um or if you were which, in some countries a, in africa right so as you say if you were some someone's in africa or latin america you're a missionary oh awesome thank right. you for coming you know right. like this is not you're you're amazing come on you know come to my house i want right. to which you, which of course used to not be the case uh yeah 200 right. years ago and now now it I is um yeah, no, that's a great point because we've we've felt that too that feeling of being understood um that yeah, that feeling of being on the margins of society or the margins of just kind of always being weird. I my kids actually feel it a lot. My my son in particular, um, he feels he wouldn't put it in those terms, but I think he has the sense of he knows I'm not really American, I'm not really Swedish. I yeah. kind of don't. He has that very much a sense of I'm I'm kind of this in between person, um, even though he he wants to. It, well, I don't know. I think he—he's—he's he's a third culture. Yeah, uh, we become that third culture in believing in Jesus. So we are no longer—we're um, no longer political uh, in the same sense that everyone else is. So we don't have the luxury of saying, "Well, I'm for this side or that side." I'm for the side of Jesus, and which is a, yeah. I'm not meaning that as a non—a a political statement. More, I mean, is that our values shift. Yeah. Therefore, we—we we are moved to the margins. Um, mm-hmm. The church has always, though, done the best work from the margins, and I think yeah. it's important to remember that. But by best work, here's what I mean. 
I don't mean numbers. I don't yeah. mean numbers. I just mean it's been its most faithful. Yeah. It's it's looked the most like Jesus when it's been on the margins. Yeah, um, and I think exactly. that that's a I think that's an important distinction to draw. Uh, that we try to draw with our staff. And uh, so I, I have a, an analogy. Uh, I think I've shared this with you before, but that I, I'm, I have seen it in this way for many years. Um, but I, I think it's important. I, I've been coming back to it for some reason this week, but one way to look at it is um, uh, a lot of times in, in missions, um, especially if you work for a large organization, you can think of that large organization as like Starbucks. Okay. And your job is to be a barista and spread the joy <clears throat> of coffee to the world. It's a very noble job. Um, and Starbucks has had great success in doing that throughout the world. Uh, but a lot of times in, in particular in places that missionaries can land, um, you are trained to be a barista, but you're, the expectations can feel like you're expected to create Starbucks in that country yeah. that you're, 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 you're put. Yeah. So then you have all this, it can feel like, well, why am I not getting all of the, why don't I have 15 stores yet? And, you know, our corporate identity doesn't look as strong or whatever else. I'm not saying that Starbucks from the U.S. or Starbucks from whatever sending nation is expecting that. I'm not. Mm-hmm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not putting that on them. I'm just saying. Yeah. I think. I think we carry that in because that becomes that. our yeah. our framework, right? So we're yeah. we're kind of like, well, it, a, a success would be like what I experienced from the place I came. So lots of people, big, you know, all these different things. When in reality, a um, couple of things happen specifically in in uh, Europe today. Okay. So one of those is people find the idea of coffee morally repugnant. (laughs) So, so don't come in with the expectations having been trained on your, how to make a really cool latte that people are just going to go awesome. I'm, I'm in and let's make as many of these as we can. Um, The idea of coffee that you're serving is morally repugnant to a great deal of people. Um, So don't expect very quickly that people can be moved on to that. The second thing. And at best, they just don't care about coffee. Yeah, right. Yeah. And at best, that's that's best. It's kind of like, well, (laughs) I mean, I guess if that's your thing, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, Then the second thing that I would say is maybe then as an, as an action of saying, okay, we, we don't want to exhaust ourselves on the expectation, the incorrect expectation that we're going to build Starbucks or whatever else here. Maybe a better expectation is um, the mom and pop coffee shop on the corner Mm -hmm. that is doing something really great, but their budgets aren't linked into a, I mean, I'm using the term budget, but they're, they're not linked into a worldwide logistic network in order to, um, in order to squeeze every last euro cent out of out of a cup of coffee that they can, but rather their profit margin or you know whatever whatever measure yeah. of success you want to say is is much less, and everything they do is done on the back of an envelope, but it's meaningful labor, right? Yeah. It's faithful, meaningful labor. Their coffee may actually be better. Well, that's probably the case. That's probably the case. I'm not anti-Starbucks, just, uh, no. just for all you haters out there. But neither, neither am I. But when I'm in Spain, I don't ever go there. I'll just say that. Yeah, because well, I know the coffee across the street is two euros and better. 
<laughs> and so so it's not bad the starbucks company but it's it's you know it's like why would i pay five sure. six seven euros for right for that when so it has it it's you know it has it, it has its function i'm not saying it's bad but it, it has its function on a hot day yes. frappuccinos are tasty good wi-fi um, actually haven't had a frappuccino in i don't know 20 years no it's been less than like, that i worked for starbucks for a time oh very cool yeah, so so I think in a great company too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're great trendsetters yeah, yeah. and tre- trendsetters in a lot. Of yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so so all that to say, so um, another great book that I have read uh, that as we talk about burnout. So it's more on the personal aspect, but I I think that model kind of of what I'm saying is a mm-hmm. look. Are you landing on the ground and thinking you're going to reproduce Starbucks and just take corporate, you know, big kind of overall strategies and you're going to take that okay this is my goal in this country um be careful that that's not what you're trying to achieve yeah the the mom and pop coffee shop is a a worthwhile endeavor and maybe okay so interestingly enough um in my own town um starbucks is closed now we had a starbucks here and sweden's a coffee culture but starbucks just closed but there are like 20 mom and pop shops downtown that have lasted, been here the entire time I've been here and started 40 years before I got here or, you know, 20 years before I got here. And, and so there's something to be said there. Now they're not looking to expand into other cities and maybe they should, I don't know, but they're having a a meaningful impact on, on this city. And so that's food, food for thought. Yeah. Uh, So a while back I was, back to a little bit more of the personal identifiers. Uh, And this was some of the things that helped me identify some of my own burnout. Um, So I went through a period where I was just like, man, I'm, I'm just exhausted and uh, was trying to figure some things out. So I picked up this book by Ruth. um, What is her name? Ruth Haley Barton. Ruth uh, Haley Barton. Yeah. Yeah. She's the Uh, strengthening the soul of your leadership. Fantastic. I've got that book right here. Yeah. I have not read it for any leader who has never read it. You should read it. And Mm -hmm. she has reflection questions. Do yourself a favor and actually do those. I'm not one of those people who usually does them. Um, And um, man, I'm, I, I started doing it, but anyway, I came across this. So I was reading one day and uh, it went through uh, some signs of, of burnout Mm -hmm. and, uh, Irritability or hypersensitivity, restlessness, yeah. compulsive overworking, emotional numbness, escape, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. escapist behaviors, yeah, distracted yeah. from our identity or calling, not able to attend to human needs because you're just too dang busy, yeah. hoarding energy, slippage in our spiritual practices. Okay, so I looked at those and I texted my wife and I would go, I can look back over the last year and mm-hmm. I've done every single one of those. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it was like, oh my goodness, I am. And that's when I realized, I think, I mean, I was on my way to realizing it, but there is that sense there. And that, I think one of the ones for me, I don't know if any stick out for you, uh, but one of the ones that really stuck out for me was irritability and hypersensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I didn't have time to deal with people. It was like, yeah. this is such an annoyance for me because it's just in my way. Yeah. And that's when I really started to see, oh, this is what's going on. Because I had actually taken to identifying myself as more of an, just an angry person. Mm-hmm. I had accepted burnout so deep in me and I wasn't aware that it was going on that I just kind of wrote it up to, well, I guess I'm just, I've always been angry. 
Yeah. And it wasn't until I started to, to deal with that that, mm. I, that I began yeah. to realize. Um, and, and it took some, gosh, it's been a year, uh, well over a year of me, of me really putting into time and energy of being still, um, of slowing down. Um, and I think that, so this is what I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. As a leader within Europe, what are, as far as pacing goes, of, yeah. of what, what you tell your staff, what you think a ministry should do, uh, how, do you, how do you help your staff navigate that sense? Because most of our staff are in credit. We're blessed with, with overworking people. Yeah. We're not blessed with lazy people that we work with, you and I. We're blessed with people who just want to see the mission accomplished. How do, you, how do you help them guide that sense of, I need to be responsible. I've got all these people who have supported me on the one hand. Yeah. Uh, and I want to see the mission accomplished. People need to hear about Jesus and self-care or the pacing of life and ministry. How do you guys help, help them navigate that, if anything? Yeah, and, and that's, this, this is a really hard part of, I think, the job, especially when you're dispersed across a country. Um, I, I think one thing, you know, and I'm not saying we've done good at this, but I think one is talking about it and, and letting people know that, hey, if they need something, if they need time off, they need it, that, that, that the main thing is them. Uh, I think is one on one hand. And another thing is I think just trying to create spaces for community. Um, and that's, that's a hard thing to do. Cause if you, if you lead a team that's very big across multiple cities, it's not easy to get people together and start to, so it's, it's, it's very much for us a work in progress. Cause you know, we, I think we've both been at times, my wife and I, you know, levels of burnout. I know a lot of other people we work with and, you know, I've also been to those things. I think, I think the other thing, when you talk about team, I think the relational element, and I think this is maybe something else uh, I, that we don't maybe talk about is the disappointment sometimes when you get someone, uh, you know, to know Christ, they grow, they're growing in their faith. Uh, and you, you've invested in that person, right? Mm-hmm. And then if there's a break in that relationship, a break in that trajectory, where those people decide, yeah, this isn't where I'm going anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it, that also, I think, or if there is a, is a conflict, I think that also is something that can be really uh, hard on people and can create burnout as well. And so I think mm-hmm. that's not necessarily um, the team. It's, it's just the people you're working with and, and mm-hmm. ministering to. And I think, cause you give, you give and you give uh, to people. So I think that's another thing. And I, I think that's maybe something we need to work on a little bit is like, what do you, what do you do with that? What do you do with that, that disappointment? Um, do you think part of it is an identity issue? Like I'm wrapping up my identity with whether or not this person continues to walk with Jesus. Like I'm not saying we need to be, yeah. become hard and calloused and go, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, but you that, decide, can, be the, that but, can be the reaction to it. Sometimes it's like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to, so I don't, that's where maybe that's something we need to, you know, I need to read a little bit more and think about because there's that balance of really caring and loving for people and pastoring and then the balance of having to be a little bit trusting of God, but they, those both can fall into over-dependence, mm-hmm. co-dependence, or mm-hmm. just, I'm going to be removed. I'm going to just kind of be yeah, distant. I, I think a thing that we can do with the burnout thing though, is that we, we, I can have, so I need to be careful about thinking about others here. I can have a bit of a savior mentality. So I say yes to way too many things, or I see yeah. like so-and-so struggling. I do this all the time with, um, 
Well, just honestly, anyone who's in front of me who's having a struggling time, I start to go, okay, how can I rearrange my life to make sure that this person's going to make it? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I think yeah. if we're not you careful, we fall. In, and that that's a recipe for burnout. That's what a little bit more of what I mean. It's like you because the mission's so great, right? So it's like so and so is having a you know, a marriage problem and they're in front of me right now. So I'm going to make sure that I minister to this person. And then, but instead of maybe doing it at that moment, what I do is, okay, well, we're going to meet every week or, you know, whatever else it is. And I think that's what I mean about saying, I need to come to the realization that I am but one person. Yeah, yeah, And and so lately we've been talking a lot and, and I, I want to do more of it, but just instilling in us, you are one person. You can't save the world. Yeah. Uh, There came a point for me last year, with, with even Sweden, where I realized I can't save this place. Yeah. And I don't know that I'm necessarily all that important. And I know that it's, it's kind of funny for me to say that out loud. Like when I say it out loud, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed because it's like, well, why would I have thought that? But yeah. I did. I, I lived that way for 12 years of, no, we got to keep going. We got to keep, yeah. I, there's people who need to hear. And, and I, all of those things are true. People yeah. need to hear if no one's out there telling them, if we're not ministering to the needs of people, they won't get met or they, someone needs to be. Yeah. But I, I was willing to ignore the fact that I'm God's made me a human with limitations. And uh, at some point I've got to go, okay, Lord, I got to give this over to you and trust that you're going to provide for this person. Yeah. I I think you're onto something there. Plus Sweden has Zlatan Abramovich and uh, they're, (laughs) they're, they're they're in good shape. Um, But they're, they're, no, I think you're, you're definitely on something about our identity, how we view God. Uh, We have to be careful that we don't make ourselves the hero of the story. You know, I, and I, and I think we also have to trust, you know, I was just finished reading The Horse and His Boy, C.S. Lewis's, you know. No way we're reading that right now to the. Yeah, it's, to, it's, it's underrated, underrated. It is. It's quite a good one. Maybe a bit more theological, um, but there's this whole thing in there where these people kind of go through this process and they, they hurt each other and, and do some bad things. But, uh, you know, there's a whole thing of like, well, they would ask, well, what about the person I, I did it, I did this to? Or what about this person? Because they feel responsible. And as always says, or God always says, that, that's their story. With, yeah. I don't tell you their story. That's for me to tell them. I'll tell you your story. Because so I think we, we do have to, that's, there's something very wise that, that, that maybe C.S. Lewis was picking up on there about your, your responsibility is with you and God. And you need to be, and God is moving you to help other people and serve other people. But what, what God does with those people is, is not necessarily our responsibility. Um, uh, so I don't know. It's interesting. It's, it, that's, I think this is, this is a great, that's a really profound question, Barrett. I'm, 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 right now I'm kind of, I'm really wrestling with it because what, mm. what's, what's that line and who, who am I? And have I, have I, you know, have I made myself the savior of other people's savior as well? Which isn't necessarily a bad bad feeling, you know, because you want to help people. No, recall, but but it's it's tricky because it looks it good in a newsletter down. too. It does look good in a newsletter, and it but it can pull you down to the places that maybe it's not where got where 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 you're involved in other people's stories in ways that you're not supposed to be. Yeah, so so possibly, possibly it's it, it can it, well it can it can develop devolve into several things. So it, it can devolve into what Thomas Sowell calls stage one thinking, which is I'm gonna I'm gonna treat this problem this way, but it, in so doing it creates a whole 
new set of problems uh, yeah. that you haven't thought through. So one, one of the ways in which you can do, and you see it with your kids all the time, right? Um, if you do something for them, but I do this, I do something all the time for my kids because it's just easier and it's less messy and everything else. And then time goes on and they don't know how to do simple things. Um, yeah. So, so in part, I keep quote unquote saving them, but in, now in me, there's a little selfish gene there, but it makes me feel good too. Cause I'm doing all these things for my kids and I'm so important. But then I've created this person who can't stand on the, I'm not, they're not created. They're not having resiliency or whatever else. And yeah. I, I yeah. see that, I see that pitfall in ministry quite a bit. And in, especially in my own life. Um, but then the second thing is, is I can make myself so important um, that basically I take God out of the equation so look, God, all I need for you to do is show up when I'm there, because if I'm not there, then obviously it's not going to get done. And I, I just don't think God desires that his people and people he's called into ministry would, would kill themselves in both a metaphorical and maybe even physical sense um, yeah. to to make sure that they're involved in ministry to the point of exhaustion and burnout. I, I don't think that's what Jesus wants. And, and we tell ourselves this story of I'm so important to this. If I don't, if I don't go to this meeting or if I don't, whatever. And I actually think what we've seen a little bit of COVID is um, maybe a lot of the ministry activities we were doing weren't so important. <laughs> you know, like we're, we're still able to, we're still able to do quite a bit, even though we're, we can do less. Um, and we're having meaningful, meaningful impact. I think that's a little bit of what I mean mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. how much are we, how much are we seeing ourselves as so essential to this story? Mm -hmm. um, and that doesn't mean that God doesn't call us. I want to be careful about that. God calls us and we have a calling and sometimes he's asking us to be sacrificial in the way that we live our yeah. lives. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Philippians, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be easy. It shouldn't be. No, easy. no, it shouldn't be at all. Yeah. And that's something, even going back to Horseman's Boy, you know, the, the people come out of that story, they have the scars, right? Yeah. But they learn something from the scars and they, they move forward with, with Jesus, uh, which is something we kind of have to, I think, come to terms with as well. There, there may be times when we do go through burnout. Yeah. Uh, and maybe even, I, I actually even, think some kind of burnout is inevitable. Yeah. And that's a place where we need to meet uh, God in a really deep way. Um, and, and, and re, reposition ourselves, re, re, refocus. And so I think those, uh, you know, it's, it's like the Camino, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. Here, so, here's, so, a, here's another provocative question, though. Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. this, is, this is related to the burnout. We've seen, I've seen a lot of young leaders burn out real quickly, flame mm -hmm. out, like we're talking yeah. firework burnout. Yeah. Um, do you think that we in an effort to, I want to be careful the way I say this, but I, this is an inarticulate way of saying it. I don't think it's the greatest way, but it's what's coming to mind. In an effort to achieve the mission, mm -hmm. do we put people into places of leadership far beyond their, where they're ready and their capability too quickly? Um, I think it's a, it's a general, it's a possibility. Yes. I think it's, yeah. it's, and it happens. I think, uh, part of the problem is we're thin, you know, on the mission field, we're thin. You get excited about people, but we don't, we don't have a framework. We often give, there's, you're just told, go do this. And now you're in charge. And there's not always the, 
the conversation about, well, what am I supposed to do? Or what, who am I as a leader? And so, mm-hmm. so, so those things can create some, some very difficult things as well. And so it takes, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the need to slow down a little bit and, and wait for people to be in the right, right situation of their life. It's, 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 those are hard things to do because you want to, you want to empower people, but I think you want to set people up for success in their lives, in their, uh, and everything. And, and so I think, yeah, so I, I think that's the, it's a, it's a strong possibility. I think, uh, once again, we're, I'm going back to this, like, we're not telling people what, what, we're, we're oftentimes we're saying it's going to be great. You're going to love it. It's going to be an amazing experience, you know, and then it's, it's going to be, but we need to just say, Hey, it's going to be hard. It's going to be, this is going to be, there's a cost involved. And a lot of stuff you want to see happen. Isn't going to happen. It's it, because not because of you, but because it's, it's a tough place and, I, and that's okay. I think we just, we, we just more and more have to go to the conversation with people and be like, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's okay that it doesn't happen the way you think you want to have it. And you, you've got to be all right with that. And, and that there's a bigger story, I think there, and maybe a more satisfying one too, you know, in the end. Maybe, maybe it's a more reasonable one. Yeah. Um, so, so here, so one of the, one of the ways I would put it is, um, oh, it came out, it came out semi eloquently last night (laughs) as I was thinking about this. And I, I can't, I can't think of exactly, uh, but, but ministry in Europe is not a science. So, and it's not a step-by-step program. It is an art form, but we have, but we have no canvas. Yeah. So, so we're, we're called to do something and we just don't even have a canvas with which to do it on. So we, we have to, we have to think completely differently in every context or, or, or maybe there's, there's other ways to say it, but I, we are we are called to sow a field that has seasons that can be lifetime in length. Yeah. So so it's not just okay. Well, I just got to wait for planting season. It's it's kind of like no, actually, we're we're more. Maybe it's I haven't seen uh, Game of Thrones, but I know that the winter was really long. <laughs> you know, like yeah. we 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 might be more, or maybe Chronicles of Narnia might be a better better example. Of yeah. That. The, the, the winter, the, 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 the was, was yeah. like generations. Yeah. Right. So, so that's a little bit of kind of mm-hmm. where I think we're in, in Europe is that we're called to something, but what may apply in somewhere else doesn't necessarily apply here. Not to mean yeah. that we can't learn for things from there, but we have to be okay with what we've been called to. And then don't play the game of comparison because comparison yeah. will tear you apart. Yeah, it will. It's the thief of all joy. Sorry, you started to say something. No, I, I, I was thinking because this kind of gave me an idea about, okay, so if, if you're listening and you're in Europe and you're, you're struggling with some of the stuff, we named a few books. What, so what, what, what are some, so if you, if, you, if you like, hey, you're struggling with this, but you need help, what, what would you, you know, I, I would say go read Stefan Poss. Yeah, I think, one I think Poss nails it for, as far as that's the, that is the theological, biblical, argumentative case for faithfulness within Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Faithfulness in Europe and that what you're experiencing is, is what, is what you're experiencing. It's okay. Yeah. You know, uh, and then you, you named a few books. Yeah. Strengthening the soul of your leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. Incredible book. Um, that's more of the, that's for the soul of you. It's not, I'm not talking about, I mean, it's, it's really good stuff. The other, the other one that would be associated with that would be, um, Emotionally healthy spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Scaresso. 
Scaramucci? No, not Scaramucci. No, not Scaramucci. Scaramucci. It's an Italian Italian name. Uh, Fantastic. Fantastic book. Uh, What I would say is, if you're in ministry in Europe, learn how to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. So that would be a book, Ruthlessly Eliminate Hurry. But develop fruit that looks like Jesus. That will be the biggest thing you can do for long-term meaningful ministry in Europe. Yeah. Um, Would you throw in, uh, oh gosh, this deep Managing, book. yeah, managing, managing leadership, leadership managing leadership anxiety. Anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think Steve Cuss, he boils down a lot of really technical stuff into yeah. some very practical nuggets, right? Yeah. So there's, there's books. He's just taking stuff that other people yeah. have written and popularizing it. But I think for a, a quick, good read on that. Yeah. And then what I would also say ministry wise to understand yourself, but also um, this will be a stretching book, but I think also the context with which we find ourselves in. So social media, different things like that is the burnout society by mm-hmm. Byung Chul Han. <laughs> Just type in. Yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. uh, it's philosophical, I, but it's one of the yeah, best books I've read. And it's short. That's just yeah. always good. So I would, I would then say, I would say, I'd really say anything by Henry Nowen. Yeah. To be, to be honest, but in the name of Jesus, I just felt now was a guy who he went through a burnout himself. Yep, yep. He went from the top of his game, uh, you know, incredible. And then he came to this, you know, and I think his, the, the post burnout of his life, he wrote so, he just wrote so much that was so profound that to help people see what ministry is, I think, and, and to help move us back away from what, you know, over reliance on relevance on, you know, being cool you know all that stuff that sometimes ministry gets played out to be but so i i, I just think when whenever you talk about him or read some of his stuff it's just it's always about slowing down connecting with jesus and biblical priorities you know? yep yep uh which which we don't always have in our in our culture no. in our christian cultures no. you know our, our, Another book that I'm I'm reading right now, so I'm not f- through with it, um, but it came highly recommended to me by a staff guy in the U.S. Um, is Eugene Peterson's memoir, The Pastor. Yeah. And um, he, so the guy who recommended it to me, we were having a discussion as to whether or not, okay, I'm crew staff, um, I'm overseas, am I a pastor? And he is of the opinion, yeah, you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. Now he's coming at it from a different angle, and so he said, read read Eugene Peterson, The Pastor. And man, I am loving it. It okay. is so anything by, I think Peterson yeah, is so uh, underappreciated in his lifetime. And of course, now that he's passed, he's starting to be appreciated for some really massive insight. But yeah. he was a guy who went slow um, yeah. and not just like slow movement, but rather deliberate. Pa- patience and, and deliberate yeah. nature. Yeah. yeah. He, he had a quote. It was great. He said, I always had this view that when I became a pastor that, that I would have the big, you know, three, 4,000 people church. And um, he said, people stayed away in droves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I love it. But yeah. he, he is a, he is a good example of a guy that just decided I'm going to be faithful where the Lord has planted me. Yeah. And uh, was, was a, was a faithful pastor. Well, well to make a transition there, maybe we should, uh, should wrap up here Yeah. to make a transition. Of course, huge, huge Eugene Peterson fans. You too. Yes. We yeah, started, we, they were huge fans of his. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, actually did some work with him. Um, but so in honor, well, of this conversation in honor of all that you can't leave behind, which if you look on the album cover, 
they're in the they're in Charles de Gaulle Airport, and up in the corner it has like they're they're getting the luggage, you know, they're in the luggage area, and it has the um the the flight call signs, you know, that you would go in, when you go to airport, and it's got so you know where where your bags are coming out, which which row. Well, there is it. The the flight is J three thirty three. Which it, it, which is Jeremiah three thirty three, which they oh, put on. So they put that on their album cover, which says, "Call on me in prayer, and I will answer you. I will show you great and mysterious things which you will, which you still do not know about." Mm. So I don't know how that ties in exactly to our conversation, but calling on calling on God in prayer, He'll answer you. And he will show you great it, and mysterious things. It comes in context of a prophet who is about to face the destruction and the and the removal of Israel from yeah. from from the promised land. A, a time of huge questioning. If there's anything true about a missionary in Europe, it's huge questioning. God, are yeah. you are you in this? And here God says, "Seek me, and I'll show you things you yeah. just can't understand." So we know That's God. Really cool. God is going to show us those things. It may not be when we want it. Uh, probably won't. That's Remain just, faithful. Uh, be yeah. the remnant, to, the remnant. To, to tie it into Jeremiah, right? Yeah. <laughs> be the remnant. <laughs> All right. Well, Garrick, man, I hope you have a great rest of the day. This has been a, a much rewarding conversation. Yeah. Remain faithful. Helps us. And uh, say hi to the family for me. Likewise. It's not too cold. Yeah. Thanks, man. Talk to you later.